from Luke chapter 16. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him, that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do, now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. <coughs> then he asked another, How much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in a very little also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust, with, entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Our Gospel from Luke is known as one of the most problematic parables. Scholars and preachers for centuries have been trying to make sense of it with all kinds of different theories and ideas, but all in all, we tend to be a bit uncomfortable with this master and his manager. So I thought when I was working on this, maybe our other readings can help shed some light. And so we have two readings from the Old Testament today from Amos and Jeremiah, and I'm hoping that they can give us some insight. Amos is known as sort of an angry prophet. Before being called to prophesy, he was just a normal farmer, trying to make ends meet and care for his family. Now, as a prophet, God called him to name the oppression and injustice happening around him, and he is angry at the hypocrisy of the religious leaders, angry that people are using deceitful practices, angry that those who consider themselves righteous are taking advantage of the poor and needy in order to gain success. And so in our reading today, God's message to the people through Amos is one of chastisement. To those who trample on the needy, who bring ruin to the poor, Amos reminds them that the Lord won't forget. But for those who are being trampled, for those who are suffering injustice from unfair practices and cheated scales, this is a message reminding them that God won't forget them either. It's an important reminder. And then as we move into Jeremiah's era, nearly a hundred years after Amos, the tone has changed from anger to lament, but the issues are still the same. Our reading from Jeremiah is his own sorrow and heartache as he lifts up this prayer of grief and sadness. For the hurt of my poor people, I am hurt. 
Jeremiah makes clear the need for this balm in Gilead for a healer, for restoration and hope to return to those who have been trampled and ruined by the corruption and greed of the world. And over these last few weeks during our pledge series, we've been talking about building discipleship, about the building blocks of our faith, about the way we follow Jesus as disciples. And these two readings do a really wonderful job at reminding us that serving God often and usually means serving the least of these. Serving those who are in need, who face oppression, who are struggling to find healing and hope in a world that is often against them. It is a great reminder that this call from Jesus that we have as disciples, that this call goes out to the world. And then Jesus goes and tells this weird parable to the disciples in our reading from Luke. A parable of a rich man and his managers. The early disciples would have known that the manager was likely actually a slave manager, not a hired employee, but someone who was owned by the rich master. And so from the very start of this parable, the manager is brought up on charges for squandering the master's property. And because slaves weren't to be trusted, the master immediately summons his manager and tells him to account for his work, and before even seeing the accounting, already has decided and tells the manager that he will be losing his assignment. And so for a slave manager, his options will be manual labor or nothing. Losing his place with his master means he'll need connections, goodwill from others in order to survive. 600 years after Amos, 500 years after Jeremiah, and corrupt systems are still trampling over the poor and needy. It hasn't changed that much. There was a phrase that came up a lot when I was studying sociology in undergrad that faced with no other options, people will look towards illegitimate means in order to survive, which is what this manager does. He realizes that once his master dismisses him, he may be able to garner some goodwill to be welcomed into people's homes so that he won't have to turn to begging. And so he goes for this dishonest work of changing the debts owed to his master, and what's interesting, to me anyway, is that the debtors are in on this too. The manager summons those with debts, asks them how much they owe, and then tells them to take their bill and edit it to make it lower. None of them argue. None of them ask why the master suddenly wanted to lower the due amounts. They simply do it. Because they're all in the system just trying to survive. I kept trying to put myself into the shoes of the manager, and I couldn't think of an option for him that would help him in a legitimate and honest way to survive this dismissal. And for me, the most mind-boggling part of this parable, if it just ended here, we could talk about forgiveness and grace and the ways in which God erases our debts. But the parable keeps going. Jesus keeps talking, and he says that the master, having found this out, commends the slave manager, praises him. And now, he's no longer called the manager in our reading, he's called the dishonest manager. Now that the manager has been renamed, the master praises the dishonest manager's shrewdness and cleverness. And as I mentioned before, Bible scholars and preachers for centuries had all kinds of theories about this text, but the one that got me thinking, especially in light of our other readings today, 
readings about God's anger and sadness through the prophets over the treatment of the poor and the needy and in systems of injustice, I wondered, what if the issue with the manager wasn't that he was dishonest or stealing from his master? What if the issue was that the manager wasn't dishonest enough in his dealings, not shrewd enough, not making enough money for his master, and so it was actually meant when they said squandering his master's property was that he wasn't earning enough, he wasn't stealing enough, he wasn't doing his job by that corrupt system, that he was simply too honest and didn't bend the rules or tip the scale in order to bring his master more wealth. I wonder this, because now seeing that the manager for his own survival could be dishonest and act shrewdly like the children of this age, the master commends him and praises him, now he can be the slave manager that the master wanted to begin with, one serving wealth and survival above honesty and faithfulness. Considering Jesus' words at the end of his parable that whoever is faithful in much is faithful in very little, is also faithful in much, and whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much, that no slave can serve two masters, that you can't serve God and wealth. I wonder. I wonder if this parable is about the dangers of being drawn away from being children of light. I wonder if this is a reminder how this world, the corruption and the greed that it can create, can draw us away from God, from our Lord, from the ways in which God calls us to be servants. Jesus uses this odd parable to remind us and to call us into faithfulness. That it only takes a little bit of faithfulness to be faithful, that we are called to serve God. And with our other readings, serving God means serving our neighbors in need, those who are poor and hurting, those who are oppressed and treated unfairly. God is calling us into a different kind of servitude. Not one where our focus is on wealth for ourselves or for our master. Not a servitude where we are commended for dishonesty or shrewdness or in getting what we need, but a servitude for God and for others. And that's a building block of discipleship being servants to those who are weak. And often that is easier said than done. Like the manager, we are pulled by survival, by our culture, by the world around us to seek more and more in whatever ways we can. Most of us are able to find survival and success in legitimate and honest ways, but for those like the manager in our parable, dishonesty might seem like the only option. And I think most of us have been at least a little faithful, but maybe also just that little bit of dishonest, too, at some point in our lives. We are born in this age, and so we are children of this age, after all. We both benefit and experience the deficits of these systems of injustice around us. Maybe we find ourselves in anger, like Amos, unable to understand how people can't see the brokenness around them or the brokenness of what they're causing. Maybe we find ourselves overwhelmed with grief like Jeremiah, praying that God heal this broken world. Maybe sometimes we simply forget that what Jesus says is true. We can't serve two masters. God and the culture around wealth in our world demands so much of us that we often find ourselves torn between the two. 
But in all of this, Jeremiah's prayer of lament was answered. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a healing and a hope that goes above and beyond anything that we can do on our own. Jesus. Jesus who hurts when the poor are hurt, who weeps with those who weep, who preaches and teaches and heals and lives among us. Jesus goes to the cross because of the corruption in this world, because of the greed in this world, because of the fear and injustice in this world, and Jesus dies becoming a servant for the whole world. Serving each and every one of us with grace and hope and strength to carry on this servitude, this service, Jesus rises from the dead to make us children of light so that the beacon of hope can shine throughout the entire world. Jesus calls us to be faithful, to put our trust and our service towards God, towards the poor and the needy, to experience God in the world, even when it might be easier to give in to the brokenness around us. We are both children of this age and children of light, and Jesus makes us servants so that we can go out serving our God, loving our neighbor, and sharing the true riches that we have been given through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <coughs>